Because in your great mercy you have preserved us to see another gathering in which you are reminding us, O Heavenly King, that you desire your people. You desire our backs, our hearts to ride on it so that the world will see the King. As we meditate on your word, we pray, O oh Heavenly Father, that you prepare us for this service, which is our reasonable duty. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. I bring you greetings from your sister chapel, the chapel of Pentecost, where the Spirit lives. Hallelujah. I want to thank our Archdeacon and the chapel council that have graciously invited me. And our sister Ruby, who I owe a visit. Hallelujah. I thank God that I'm able to be in your midst again. There was a time I was quite ill, almost unto death. But the Lord saw me through. Praise the Lord. Our gospel message reminds us of today. I don't know whether you were here when the gospel was read or whether you actually listened to it because a lot of things have become rituals. Praise the Lord. But I want us to look back at that gospel message in Matthew chapter 21. I'm not going to read everything that we read. I just want to pick up some highlights. Number one, verse six. When the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and carried the ass and coat, and put on their clothes, and they set him upon it. Hallelujah. The first people who worshipped were the disciples. If you listened to the prophetic message of today, God is saying. I want you to worship me. Unless we worship, the world will not worship. And so the beginning of all, it all is us presenting our hearts to a Redeemer. We read on. And a great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cutting down branches from trees and straw them in the way. And the multitude went before and that followed crying, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he is come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? The multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. Jesus went into the temple and cast out all they that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats 
of them that sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, My house shall be the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Verse 15, When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna, the son of David. They were sad, displeased. Hallelujah. Why were the chief priests and elders displeased? Was it out of envy? Was it jealousy? Or was it class rivalry? Why were they displeased? The Bible recorded clearly that they saw the great and wonderful things he did. And the children crying and singing Hosanna, the son of David. Praise the Lord. They were displeased because of all those things I said. A great prophet had arisen but not amongst them. He was rising and the whole world was following him. The pain was that he was the son of a carpenter. An obscure man from Galilee. How could it be that Hosanna would be associated with him? Today our message is Hosanna, the Messiah has come. I want us to know that the word Hosanna is not English. Neither is Messiah English. They have been adopted into English. And I doubt whether many of us know the meaning of Hosanna. Praise the Lord. Hosanna in the old Hebrew usage has a meaning that says save we pray you save us we pray you hallelujah and Messiah is the anointed one and so when the elders were worried and angry it was because they understood what was being said The crowd was associating Jesus with the one that Israel was expecting. They were praising him for coming to save them. They were declaring that he was the anointed one of God. And I want to remind us briefly of the situation that was at work at that time. Israel had long ceased to be a nation. Their kings were taken into exile. <coughs> Out of the messes of their captor, they were allowed to go back into their home. To rebuild their home. 
to become something that looked like a nation again. And they did go back. <coughs> but the Babylonian, uh, the, the Persian Medes Empire that granted them this power was quickly defeated by Greece. And Greece was defeated by Rome. And as the time of this encounter, Rome was the authority. The chief priests were custodians of tradition. They were given limited authority in areas of religion. The only thing you can liken them today is our traditional rulers. I want to tell us that traditional rulers once ruled. Anybody from this domain must have heard of Onyama of Eke. He had an empire that covered Enugu states and Ebony. His word was law. When I was growing up in secondary school, I had a person that we were in the same house. His name was Mwakuda. Anybody from old Omaya must have heard of Chief Mwakuda. Chief Mwakuda was the law. He was so mighty at that time that when the colonial authority built the rail to cross Omaya, Mwakuda said it would not happen. And so he carried, he was carried by his slaves. And when the train was coming, he stood to ensure he did not cross. But that was Mwakuda's last day on earth. Hallelujah. It looked like a fable, but his great-grandson, who was with us, confirmed the story. So those traditional chiefs that you see today, they were the law. But today, you see them as custodians of tradition. That is how the chief priests and others were. Praise the Lord. But they were highly elevated and greatly honored. <clears throat> They, revered, they were revered and that position was important to them. Just like the position of the Emir of Kanu. Hallelujah. Then suddenly the governor says, you cease to be Emir. I appoint another. That was the situation in Israel. And so the people were living under continuous oppression. They were a nation, but they knew they were not a nation. I think we may liken them to the state of Hebrews now. A bit. Hallelujah. And so when the promise of God was beginning to be made manifest, and they saw in Jesus the one that was promised, there was the cry of Hosanna. Blessed is he. That comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to tell us that the promised Messiah was well known to every Jew. The portion we read from Zechariah that was adopted by Matthew 
even specified that he was going to come in riding on a coat. And then when you go to Psalm 118, from verses 25 to 26, in the Feast of the Tabernacle, there were specific songs that were sung. And those were chants from Psalm 118. And I will read, Save now, and remember that save now is Hosanna. I beseech you, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech you, send now prosperity. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of God. Blessed is the anointed one. So every year in the Feast of Tabernacle, the chants that were made on the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem, we are part of the worship of God. Hallelujah. So when the elders and the chief priests heard the people saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, they were not thinking like the common people. They were thinking as a people that knew what was being said. That Jesus was the Messiah. But they did not and could not take it. Praise the Lord. The expected Messiah was supposed to appear suddenly. He was supposed to have no roots according to them. He was supposed to be straight from God. Not a prophet of Galilee. They so despised him that at the time they said, These miracles he's doing, I am Akwebos. We don't even know whether war. He didn't go to a Dibia. You know, that one was the one Jesus could not be anymore. You could call him names, but he would not allow you to malign the works of the Holy Spirit. And so he got angry. And told them this one sin will never be forgiven. Praise the Lord. The promised Messiah was revealed in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit. When they realized they had sinned. They made figs for themselves. In spite of those figs, when God encountered them, and I believe that God will encounter us this season in the name of Jesus, their nakedness was obvious to them. And so they hid. For many of us, when we are encountered by God, we harden our hearts. We double on our stand. May the good Lord give us a good heart that will open up to the Most High whenever He encounters you. Hallelujah. And so, there was a dialogue between God and man. And at the end of that dialogue, it was obvious that man had sinned. Praise the Lord. But God did something. 
In verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says, Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did God make coats of skin and clothed them. Praise the Lord. You read it and you just gloss over it and you pass. But there was something deep that that passage gives to us. And you find its interpretation in Revelations chapter 13 verse 8. Revelations 13 8 tells us And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, that's the Antichrist, whose names were not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah! That skin and that coat for clothing where the body of a lamb that was slain at the foundation of the earth. Genesis chapter 3 is the very foundation of the world. And everything that was to happen happened in the foundation. If you have seen a structure being built, they dig very deep into the ground. And build a resemblance of that house in the ground. One day I was watching. I said, what kind of thing is this? After they had finished building the house in the ground, they covered it with sand. Praise the Lord. That is the foundation. In that garden, symbolically, Jesus was slain. Praise the Lord. I saw his faith was sealed. And the hope of resurrection. And the hope of redemption. Was perfected. But as God usually does things. When you go to the book of Hebrew. Chapter 10 verse 1. He tells us. That when it comes. To the time of the law. He was going to show us a foreshadow. Of what would be. Praise the Lord. He was going to give us a drama. A dress rehearsal. Of his true plans. And so Hebrews chapter 10 says. For the law was a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of the things. So God was going to demonstrate. The salvation that will come to the world. Through the nation Israel. And that encounter. Is in the Passover feast. Praise the Lord. The Passover feast was going to demonstrate Easter. And actually, the season we celebrate as Easter is Passover. Easter is the added thing to Passover. 
the resurrection. Praise the Lord. And if you look carefully at the events of the Passover, number one, you will find in Exodus 12.21 that it was initiated by God. In Exodus 12.21 we see that the Lord says, Then Moses called of all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw up and take a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Because God had commanded Moses to say so. Praise the Lord. The rest of the story of Passover we will not labor into. But let's look at the true Passover. In the true Passover we find in John chapter 1 verse 29 Long before the events were to happen there was a man his name was John he prophesied about the coming events. And in John 1.29, the next day, John seeing Jesus come unto him, said, Behold the Lamb of God, which, is, which taketh away the sins of the world. Praise the Lord. I like that reading because as you read down, you will see certain things that are spoken of, that are great. In verse 30, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he is before me. 33, I knew him not. I didn't know him. Even though he was his cousin, he didn't know him because John was a wild man. His parents died early. And like a street boy, he disappeared. And the spirit took over him. Hallelujah. I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water. The said said unto me. Upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Verse 34. And I saw and bear record that this is the son of God. Praise the Lord. John made his declaration to Israel. We have been hearing it. All of us who are in this church, we have been hearing it. If we have been processing what we have been hearing, the prophecy would not have come today. I want to ride on your hearts. I want your heart to be the coat that I will ride into the world with. I want you to be the one who will dress it. And thereafter the world will see it and acknowledge me as king. Praise the Lord. I want us to process the events of this redemption that we speak about and praise as Hosanna that he has come. And indeed he has come. The timing of the death of Jesus was not by man. 
If you read Matthew chapter 26 verse 1, he says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had finished speaking these, finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Verse 3, then the assembly gathered together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was Caliphus and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. Verse 5 Matthew 26 5 But they said not on the feast day Least there be an uproar amongst the people. It was in their mind to kill him. He had desecrated Sabbath according to them. He refused to bow to the authority. He declared himself as a great one. So he should die. But not in this feast. Hallelujah. The death of Jesus was not orchestrated by man. He told his disciples, in two days, the Son of Man will die. His enemies gathered together and said he should die, but not in this uh, feast. Praise the Lord. Jesus himself said that he, Jesus, actually came to fulfill the law. He came to make manifest the law. And establish the salvation that is required. I won't go into the details of a sacrifice that is required for redemption and atonement of sin. But I want to tell you that even in death, Jesus fulfilled the just requirements of the law of God. In Hebrews 13.1, the Bible records... For the bodies of the animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary for redemption by the high priests for sin are burnt without the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he may sanctify his people with his blood, suffered without the gates. Praise the Lord. There was nothing that stopped the Roman soldiers from killing Jesus inside their garrison. Nothing. But they took him outside the city in order that scriptures may be fulfilled in every aspect of his life and ministry. We are redeemed by blood that is incorruptible, not as silver and gold. But the precious blood of Jesus, the lamb without blemish and without spots, says Peter. Praise the Lord. When sin draws you, when the devil sows a seed and a thought within you, and a desire to commit sin, remember, the costs 
and price of your redemption cannot be reproduced. Praise the Lord. It is precious. We dig the ground and we dig our gold. At times, water washes our gold. So that we know there is gold there. We dig and we pick silver. But we cannot dig out the blood of Jesus. It is precious. It is beyond the cost of money. But it is freely given to be received. Praise the Lord. Let us be reminded in conclusion the words of Revelation 13. And all that dwell on earth shall worship him, the Antichrist, whose names are not written in the book of life. The book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Verse 9. Let any man that have an ear, let him hear. Praise the Lord. If you look at that English, it's very funny. But I lifted it straight from the Bible. And it says, if any man have an ear, let him hear. I know that there are specialists in English language here. If you have an ear, let him hear. Uh... So the Bible is saying that there are two ears. And there is there are another two that are inside us. Praise the Lord. The inner ear is the ear that is most important. He is warning that there is a time that is coming and very soon when men will be forced to worship what they do not want to worship, the Antichrist. And anybody whose name is not in the book of life will worship him, whether you like it or not. Praise the Lord. It's your name in the book of life. And it's your name maintained in the book of life. Your name may be in the book of life, but your ways has caused it to be blotted out from the book of life. Is your name in the book of life of a lamb that was slain from the beginning, the foundation of the earth? Have you allowed your name to remain there? Or have you decided to blot it out by your deeds? As we say, Hosanna, save us quickly, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for coming to save us, the anointed one. Has it become a ritual? 
Does it become another festival? Or do we realize that the Spirit of the Lord says, Whosoever has an ear, whosoever has ears, or has ears, let him hear. Let us pray. This season in the Christian calendar is a time for atonement. The real season of atonement is now. The blood of a lamb be slain or would be slain. I will be taken into the innermost sanctuaries of heaven for the eternal redemption of souls. Talk to God concerning your life. Begin to rededicate yourself to the Most High. If something were to happen suddenly and you are no more, What will be your estate? This life is but a breath. And once you take that last one, you will meet your maker. As the Lord, not just to be your savior, but to come and be the Lord over your life. So that walking with him. Your name will be permanent in the book of life. For some of us. We have been hearing this gospel. But have not been able to make up our minds concerning it. The season of this Holy Week is a good time to come to the Lord. Ask Him to come into your life. Receive Him as your personal Savior. Tell Him to wash you with His blood. Tell Him that you are ready to surrender your life unto Him so that He will be the Lord over it. He will direct every aspect of your life. As we heard in the intercessory prayer. Your marriage. Your business. Your work. Tell him that you desire him to be the Lord over them. Invite him. Because he stands at the door of your hearts. Waiting. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed.